Lord. It's just a joy to sing songs of surrender. We know that it brings you joy, but Lord, it also brings such life to us to open our hearts, to open our hands. And we're just so grateful again this morning for an opportunity to gather in your name. We, we, we want to pause and say thank you for the liberty and the freedom to join together in the name of Jesus, to worship and to pray. Lord, you are so wonderful and so gracious to us. And I, I even pray ahead of time, this Thanksgiving week, God, I pray that we would, the gratitude train would begin, Lord. I just pray that the gratitude just rise up all morning long. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, hey, everybody. I'm just the gratitude train. I've never said before in my life. I love that. I love that. Uh, as we have the privilege in our nation to pause and celebrate Thanksgiving, don't miss the opportunity to be thankful to Jesus, to your family, um, even in the difficult situations around us. And one of the ways we're helping you guys at Thanksgiving, you can go on Instagram or get our e-news, 10 things to do personally, to do with uh, the people in your life and to do at the table, uh, hopefully to ignite the grace of God and gratitude. And I was just feeling happy this morning. I wanted to do a few giveaways. Who has been in the church less than a year that needs our book, Passion and Purpose, which tells the history of what we're all about? Somebody who's one year or less. Yes, ma'am, right there, right there. Uh, can you make sure, Destiny? There you go. Oh, it's okay. Uh, yes, ma'am, that lady right there, she gets that book. All right, um, after today, you're gonna want to run and get our Time with God packet. They're free anyway, but I just thought I would give one out because there's only 40 left. Who wants the Time with God packet because you're hungry for God? Right, ma'am, in the Texas uh, University. I'm not sure about your sweatshirt, but I am good with your, good with your gift, all right? Uh, who did not get Establishing a House of Prayer card? We've handed out about a bajillion of them. If you have not gotten one, who wants one and wants to give it to a friend? Uh, that right there, that, that young man right there, that little man of God right there. Uh, could you, sir, could you go give that to that young man right there? He looks to be about, how old are you, buddy? Eight years old. He's ready. May we all stand convicted if we have not taken our Lord's Prayer card, and uh, he's ready to go. Um, and hey, one other thing this morning, I, uh, yesterday actually I was praying, and I, I thought, okay, I got 20 bucks in my wallet. I just want to give it away. So, uh, so I found, I, got a, I took another 20 out of my wife's wallet, to be honest, so that now that I have two, one for each service, that's all I had cash-wise. But I mentioned to the pastors this morning, people started giving me money. I now have $100 uh, to give away. And we just feel like God wanted to highlight different people in the service. And so um, <clears throat> um, Brian and Jen, y'all come on up real quick. We just felt like the God wanted to highlight you guys. And then I asked uh, Jeremy King, one of our young adult pastors, I put him on the spot. I said, they're going to come up. I'm going to give them $100, and you're going to have a word for the Lord, from the Lord for them. How about that? Isn't this fun, you guys? Church is supposed to be fun. You can do this anytime. Hey, there's $100 for whatever your need is. May the Lord multiply it abundantly. But I just want to say, I just see the hunger in you guys' life. These last few months, there's just a fresh hunger in you, and God sees that, and we see that, and Jeremy's going to pray over you. Amen. Uh, yeah, I was asking the Lord, and um, 
you know, I felt like just even for your marriage and your family, I saw them just washing away old stains and things that used to feel like they couldn't come off and things that felt like they were like publicly known. I feel like he's just, he's washing out and he says that he makes things white as snow. And I just feel like there's fresh beginnings. They don't have to live off yesterday's bread or yesterday's stuff, but in your marriage or something fresh for you to walk in. And Jen, I felt like um, I got the word overlooked tenacity. And I felt like there's a tenacity that you walk in that um, just people don't know. And there's times you've chosen the Lord when the people you know didn't. And there's this internal drive that says, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And I feel like he says, I know you to be tenacious for me. Uh, so we bless Jen, Lord. Thank yes, you so much. God. And um, Brian, I feel like I just I hear the Lord say that you're like a like a master architect. Like there's a way that you understand how things should be put together. And I feel like it's a gift in you and something he wants to bless in you. No matter what others have said, the gifting in you is master architect. So we just bless you guys. Holy yes. Spirit, come fill them afresh right now. Ask your power to rest on them. We just say uh, bless them and keep them safe from every scheme in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless y'all. Isn't that encouraging? Hey, you can do that anytime, anywhere, by the grace of God. When you see somebody and you're stirred, whether that's to give a financial gift or give an encouraging word or a prayer for them, man, this is, this is what we house. We house uh, the grace of God for the glory of God. Well, hey, today is uh, the end of our series on uh, establishing a house of prayer, or as we began on way back on September 11th, I'm sure all of you guys remember that sermon. It was amazing. It was uh, September 11th where we kicked off this series, and in one way we said not only establishing a house of prayer, but reestablishing a house of prayer because that's who God has always called us to be. So I want to do uh, this morning a bit of reminders about what God has already spoken to us, uh, maybe some testifying of God's goodness in that, uh, a re-invitation to all of us, uh, and then something very, very fresh that's been going on in the last couple of weeks uh, that I want to bring you into and invite you just to come to the Lord and experience uh, His grace. So, um, so back to uh, September 11th. Actually, let me pray again. I just want to, I just feel so sensitive to the Lord this morning that He wants to do something that's unique. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we would be sensitive to you, that we would slow it down, our minds, our hearts, our desires, our failures, our misses. Lord, I pray we'd just slow it all down and you'd bring us into this one moment with you, this moment of grace, Lord. Bring us into the moment of grace to hear you, to know you, to respond to you, whether we're here present or those watching online. We pray, bring us into your moment, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, if you guys remember, there was a very dramatic dream, a very unique thing that happened uh, in February of this year, but to put a little context on it, in 1988, we were in year one of starting a, a, our discipleship school, which we now call Antioch Discipleship School, uh, at Highland Baptist Church here in town. And during those times, Highland was going through some difficult leadership challenges, and um, 
by the spring of that year, the um, worship pastor resigned, the executive pastor resigned, and we did not know, but a couple months later, the senior pastor was going to resign. And if you're, you know, like in a church and all the top leadership resigns, it's a little concerning. You know, you're like, wow, where are we going? What's going on? And um, so during that time, we began to fast and pray and say, God, you have promises for Highland Baptist Church. You have promises for our city. And uh, one of the guys that I was praying with is a guy who's still on staff at Highland, Mark Weibel. And, um, and we were just learning about the prophetic or the things of the Lord. How do you hear God when you pray? And, and how do you pray promises, even in the midst of difficulties? Well, uh, Mark called me on a uh, Saturday morning and he said, you won't believe it, last night I had a dream. And this is again back in 1988, spring of 88. He said, in the dream, I saw... Uh, I saw a fire hitting the back building, the education building, and I saw a crane show with a wrecking ball and knocking down all the bricks and a wind blowing and on the foundation it said, Jesus is Lord. And he said, what do you think God's trying to say? And I said, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I think God's relaying a foundation of him to be Lord of this church because his promises are still committed to this church. So that's, that's what we had and we were like, wow, that's really, really cool. Well, about 36 hours later, at midnight on, a Sunday, on that Sunday night, um, I get a call from Mark, and he says, you have to come up to the church right now. I can't even tell you. I got I to gotta take care of something. Come right now. It's an emergency. So I rush up to the church, and we're standing in the parking lot as we're watching a fire consuming the back building, literally a physical fire, from the inside out. Within a few weeks, it was what had happened was a, somehow that night, lightning had struck the building and the furnace in the bottom of the basement. It was a three-story building, and lightning had struck the furnace, and it had burnt from the inside out. And even the fire monsters were like, I don't even know how that actually happened, but here's where we believe the fire started, at least at that time. That's how it was communicated to us. And within a few weeks, there's literally a crane out there with a wrecking ball literally knocking the building down, and that's where they would rebuild what's now their back education building. So it's a little concerning. I mean, it's one thing to have a prophetic dream. It's another thing for it actually to happen, especially when it's a challenging deal. Of course, praise the Lord, no one was hurt. No one was in the building. It was at midnight. Okay, so I'm putting that for reference. And then we were a part of Highland and seeing the beauty of God and seeing it restore Highland Baptist. And, you know, I just want to make a note here always. Uh, we are forever knit together with Highland Baptist and the promises of God and the, the joy of serving there for so many years. And we just had John Durham, the senior pastor, come and share with our staff. It was just a, another beautiful moment. There's such a unity between the churches and such a joy because they have they have have made Jesus Lord, and they are in a beautiful, growing place, and, and we should always honor and bless what God is doing. So, so grateful for God actually fulfilling that since 1988 uh, among us as a community uh, and among Highland Baptist Church. So, fast forward February of this year, 2022, we have this very clear word, reestablish the house of prayer. We called it ignite the boiler room, Lord, ignite the furnace, ignite the power of God. And um, someone comes from out of town who has no reference from Waco. They're from Washington, D.C., and no reference of any of our past. And um, they, they uh, said, hey, I just want to share with you a dream that I really know that the Lord gave me for you. And he said you would know what it means and what to do with it. 
So here's, here's the dream she shares. She says, we are in a three-story building in the basement, and the furnace catches on fire. And as it catches on fire, I'm concerned because it begins to consume the bottom floor. And I say to you, uh, we got to get out of here. This is, this is fire's gonna, uh, gonna, we're gonna get hurt. We got to get out of here. And I put my hand on her shoulder and graciously say, it's gonna be okay. I've been here before. We're gonna be just fine. So then fire hits the second story. And when it hits the second story, uh, it begins to consume everything around it. And she said, but the unique thing of the second story was there was like a platform that somehow the fire didn't consume. And on it was a grand piano. And Everything around it started following, and I said again, we got to get out of here, and you graciously put your hand on my shoulder, and you say, it's going to be okay. I've been here before. We're going to be fine. So then all that, but the grand piano remains with worship going up, and then the fire hits the third floor. We go through the same scenario. We got to get out of here. It's falling everywhere, and I said, we're going to be fine. I've been here before, and then at the third story, the pipes burst, and the water keeps flowing perfectly in the midst of this fire with no structure. Now, again, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I think God might be trying to say something. And so in the middle of all of that, as I've told you guys a few times, we had a couple that initiated with us and said, we feel that the Lord has told us to give a grand piano to Antioch. And we don't know if you guys want to use it or not, but we feel compelled by God to give it no matter what. This is what we need to do in our obedience to God. Well, here we are. Uh, this grand piano is here, uh, and it is a response not just to um, some dream that happened or some you know unusual circumstance, but it is a response to God's call that has always been on us to be a people of worship and prayer who host the presence of God, that, that as we come together, we are wholehearted in our devotion, our worship, and when we drift, we come right back to the throne of grace. We just keep coming back. This is who we're called to be, a people of prayer 24-7, whether that's in a location or wherever we go, a people of prayer and praise, and out of that fire, if you will, of the grace of God and the, the worship of God, we find everything Thing that is needed in his presence. Here's a great scripture to encourage that. Isaiah 56, verse 7, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful. Everybody say joyful. In my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifice will be acceptable on my altar. When we come and worship in prayer, that is an honor to God. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Again, if you're familiar with the New Testament and Jesus coming in and overturning the tables and, and um, uh, um, uh, you know, throwing out the money changers, and he says, hey, what's going on here? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. He was quoting the prophecy of Isaiah saying, what will my New Testament church be? What will my people be in this hour? They will be a house of prayer for all the nations. So when we worship, we're fulfilling that. When we turn to one another and pray, we're fulfilling that. When we do that in our homes, we're fulfilling that. When we do that in our personal devotional lives, we do that in our business, Wherever we go, we house the presence of God by the Holy Spirit, and we are called to be a house of prayer for all the nations, not just specifically praying for the nations, though that should be a part of our intercession, but we literally a house of prayer in the nations. 
So therefore, I am a house of prayer in Waco, Texas. You are, we are, collectively, by the grace of God. So as we have tried to roll this out um, and tried to pull everybody in, I just want to remind us again, as a people, where is God taking us in the midst of this? We've used a couple of phrases. First half of the year, we used ignite the boiler room. And again, that's a whole nother kind of line that God spoke to us uh, through um, uh, the Queen Mary and, and some other uh, unique ways, but the boiler room, just the furnace, the fire, light the fire inside of us, God. And we said, Lord, would you ignite the boiler room in our hearts, in our homes, in our life groups, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in the nations. And it's this, this sense of inside out. God, would you reignite your fire for worship, intercession, personally and through every area and aspect of our lives and our community. As we turned the corner this fall and we said, all right, we're going to establish a house of prayer, reestablish a house of prayer, we used this phrase, which hopefully you've heard by now. Not many people can quote it, but we'll give it a go again. We are a Psalm 27 for people committed to a Psalm 24-7 prayer movement to ignite a Matthew 24-14 outcome. And that journey has been uh, what we've been on over the last 12 or 13 weeks. And as we talked about it as a staff, as a community, as with other leaders, what was very apparent early on is that we have a call for that prayer room to be filled 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're currently at 60 hours. Way to go, gang. So we've come a long way without even really putting much emphasis on that because the consensus was, unless God gets a hold of our hearts individually, whatever the corporate expression is, we can't get there without our own hearts being filled, our own first love established, our own hunger for God clear. Everybody understand that? So you can have corporate calls. In our corporate call, we're going to keep working this, by the way, just so you know, this is not just a one-year thing. This is a call on our community. But um, and, And again, this morning, if you're wondering where I'm going, I'm just trying to do the dad thing this morning. Just kind of, hey guys, here's where we are. Let's remind us where we are, where we're going, and what's God been doing. But until it becomes owned in our hearts, it's very difficult then to create a corporate expression of it. Let me, let me take it to a, a, a life group level. If, if, you're, if you come to a life group and people come already having prayed for people in their group, prayed for the needs in the group, and then you say, all right, let's pray for Susan's healing. Well, everybody's already got things to bring to the table, and there is a great power there for Susan's healing. And maybe Sarah, a friend, shows up that has a particular need. Well, faith is already in the group, so Sarah literally walks into a zone of answered prayer in faith because the community's already believing and trusting God and familiar with prayer. Does that make sense? It could be true of our homes. It could be true of our hearts. Often one of the greatest compliments I hear around the city is, you know, when uh, Antioch people are around, like a waitress will say, if you'll say, hey, how could I pray for you? She says, do you go to Antioch? Because we have been trained to ask the people around us, how might we pray for you? And then the bigger shocker for the people of God in our city is that you actually pray them, like immediately. 
when we not only ask how to pray, but then we bring the presence of God in, that is life-changing for people. I have had pastors of mega churches be with me out at a restaurant. I have prayed with somebody, shared the Lord, and they've seen the grace of God, and they have been stunned and undone because we actually do it in the now. And I'm like, that should be normal. This, I'm being a Christian. I'm not trying to be a pastor or to prove anything. This is not a stage deal, you guys. This is a life with God that we bring into the now everywhere that we go. So let me review briefly these three key points on this uh, bit of a, of a Pauline sentence that we have. We want to be a Psalm 27.4 people. Let me just begin there. Psalm 27.4 is a very familiar passage um, to you, you know, to, to us. One thing I've asked, that's which I desired, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord, meditate on it in his temple day and night. But I want to put a little context on it for you. I pull back out my, um, um, yep, there we go, pull back out my, my goodie bag here. And I want to start in verse 3, Psalm 27, verse 3. You can see it on the screen, but uh, you'll, you'll see it in my little um, uh, iPad here. Let me just say this. When we think of Psalm 27, 4, we've all heard one thing I've asked, one thing I've desired, that I may behold the Lord. If you've been around church a while, you've heard that. If it's new to you, it's a very common central passage. Maybe Jesus said it this way, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He used the example of Mary at Bethany who did chose what was best, who sat at the feet of Jesus. Paul would say, you know, one thing I want to know, that I may know him. This intimacy with God is central and preeminent. But a lot of times we don't understand the context of the passage. David was beholding the Lord in the midst of war, in the midst of battle, in the midst of enemies coming against him, in the midst of challenge. Here's my experience in life, and I'll just say from my own life. My intimacy with God grows when the tensions around me are high, not when everything is good. Because when things are prosperous, I begin to subtly feel like I don't need God. Things are fine. I don't need God. But when the enemies of my soul or life or challenges around me. So my, I think that it, maybe we may have missed 20 and 21. When God was inviting us for, to intimacy, we missed it when we were trying to just survive. And so God is re-inviting us back to intimacy like we've never experienced before. So let me, let me get into Psalm 27, starting in verse 3. Though a host encamp against me, this is David speaking, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord. David figured out that in the midst of the enemies and challenges, he needed the Lord. And he said, one thing I'd ask, and that that I shall seek. Now I'm doing action to go with my need. And I, I always underline man's part and then circle God's part, that I may dwell, not just visit. Somebody missed that. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple, from the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, 
He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, which is Jesus. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. So here we go. So back to this. What does David say? I will dwell. I will remain in the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. I will behold the beauty of God. And the beauty of God is how God reveals himself in scripture, through the scriptures. I'll behold the beauty of the Lord. That's why on those little uh, prayer cards, we give you the names of God. Behold the name of God. Behold the beauty of God. Behold the strength of God. And I'll meditate. And that means just think about, let it roll over your heart and your mind. I'll meditate in his temple. And therefore, he will consume me. And, um, and he will... Uh, provide for me. So the invitation as we are called to be a house of prayer for all the nations is first and foremost that you become a house of prayer. Through, through the word, worship, and prayer. Again, we have been talking about this for weeks, trying to encourage you and strengthen you to renew our minds and hearts to believe that prayer works and to believe that intimacy with God is available for the people of God who pursue God. And we're gonna keep going there because again, the, 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 the source of life, the source of life is God himself. The one who created you not only invites you, but then provides for you everything you need to find joy and strength and peace in the midst of difficulty. Not just as a place of refuge and, and freedom from circumstances, but power and presence in circumstances. Now again, we talk about this a lot, so I'm going to go on to the next scripture. We are a Psalm 27 for people, a people of first love, first place, first thing, word, worship, and prayer, committed to a Psalm 24-7 prayer movement. Um, and, and actually, uh, that little prayer point, I think we were going to put it up there. Our prayer out of Psalm 27-4 that we have asked people to pray is this, consume us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isn't that a great prayer? I'm not only saying, behold you, Lord, I'm not only acknowledging Psalm 27, 4, but now we're giving you a prayer. And here's what I'm asking. Would you just agree with us? We have those on little prayer cards for you. You see it everywhere. We repeat it every Sunday, but I'm not sure it's landed yet. And here's the power of agreement. What if all of us agreed? What if all of us with one heart and one mind, everybody online, consume us, oh God, to love you, with all our heart, soul, mind, what if we all just agreed in a moment? God would answer that prayer because that's his desire. We're coming in agreement with his will and his desire. We're gonna do that right now. Just agree with me. God, we agree right now. Consume us, oh God. Consume us, oh God, to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And let this prayer of agreement release power and victory in the face of our enemies. We pray that today in Jesus' name. All right, a Psalm 27 for people who are committed to a Psalm 24-7 prayer movement. Now again, 
for today, this is just review, but Psalm 24 is a psalm of ascent. Many uh, theologians believe it was David bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, back to Jerusalem. And as he is ascending the hill to come to Jerusalem, he begins to shout to the gates of the city, open up, open up you gates, the presence of the Lord is here and coming in. Psalm 24, uh, 7, again, it says, this, uh, well, got a lot. Oh, that, that's, 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 there we go. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory. I don't know what meditation on scriptures likes for you, but when something hits you, you're just like, oh, oh, the king of glory. I mean, what do you do with that? The king of glory is present. Wow. And when when we see the king of glory, and we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, something shifts. Something shifts. When the king of glory is enthroned in our hearts, and we pray Oh, King of glory, let your rule and reign come into my family. Oh, King of glory, let your rule and reign come into my business. Oh, King of glory, let your rule and reign come into our nation. Oh, King of glory, would you come into the problems of my life? Would you come and rule and reign? I'm giving you not just permission, but I'm asking, King of glory. That is the desire of God. That's, that's what he has made us for, to house the king of glory, which seems just impossible for a mere man or woman to house the king of glory. But somehow, by his design, he decided to do it that way. So we have the privilege of housing the king of glory. And when we say we want to be a uh, Psalm 24, 7 prayer, we want to lift up every gate and every space that needs the king of glory to come in. It's that simple. We have a little prayer that we've added to it. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in every area. Everybody say every. Every area. You know, God is so merciful. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I just want to put a good word in for God here. He is so merciful. He'll take some. Lord, we invite you into some. We should all repent that he would even, that, that, that he, there's nothing in him that has to do that. We're his creation and we're, at, we're giving him some and he still comes. But what if we gave him everything? Everything. Lord, we pray your kingdom come your will in every area of our personal lives. Come rule and reign. Our families. God weeps with you in the pain in your family. Thanksgiving is going to be one of those moments that that's on full display. 
the dysfunction, the pain, and the hurt. But what if you found some people to agree with ahead of time? Would, would you pray with me that the rule and reign of Jesus would come as we gather in Thanksgiving Day? Or even those that are away from us, would you show me how to extend grace to somebody? Would you show me how to show forgiveness? Would you show me how to flow love? I still remember Thanksgiving Day when we, uh, our parents were, uh, did the best they could of what they had. But there was a lot of pain in our family related to my parents' own brokenness. But in their later years, we would all gather in uh, Nashville, Tennessee as a family reunion. And um, uh, my brother and I were talking about it. And what could we do this Thanksgiving that would be unique? And we said, you know what, let's honor mom and dad. And um, just to be quite honest, we had to pause for a minute and say, wow, we're going to have to think about that about how do we do that, what do we, do, what do we see in the midst of kind of a lot of brokenness in their lives and, their fam- and our family. And, uh, but we, 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 uh, we've, of course, God sees everybody in a, in a redeemed way. He values so many things, and we value so many things in our parents. And so in front of all the grandkids and in front of our other siblings, we put them on, the, on, on display, and we said, Mom and Dad, thank you. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for sacrificing for us. Thank you for moving from the Northeast down to Texas just because you felt like it would be better for us. Thank you for this and that. We just began to show gratitude, and the presence of God showed up. This 80-something-year-old couple who, who had not really lived for God but had tried to love their family the best they can. And again, I could honor them all day long. But we, we stepped beyond what was normal and we poured some grace into that and let the grandkids watch how you honor even in the midst of imperfection. Just modeling grace is worth it. All right. To get to a Matthew 24, 14 outcome. This is a, this, um, today I'm not going to be able to give anything but comment, but just read the scriptures. But we just want to wash over you. This starting in verse 3 of Matthew 24. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See it that no one mislead you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation. See if any of this sounds familiar. Kingdom against kingdom. In various places there'll be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And now verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So when we say we want to be a prayer movement that is a Psalm 27 for people who are committed to a 24-7 prayer movement, uh, igniting a Matthew 24-14 outcome, is it, it is in the midst of the need of the peoples of the earth to find a way forward. 
When we preach the kingdom of God everywhere we go, whether it's in our city or when we send people around the world, when we do that thing that we are called to do, it produces spaces of grace in the midst of the turmoil of the earth. Now, I am not predicting the end times. Well, I am predicting the end times. Jesus will come again. That's my prediction. And... um, and I am committed to that and the expectation of that. But I am not committed to the, to the pace of that. But what I would say is when these circumstances begin to increase, we must have an expectation that the kingdom of God is going to increase. And the revelation and manifestation of Jesus is going to begin to show up like we've never seen before. Don't miss it by not being a person of worship and prayer. You want to be before Jesus. You want to be familiar with bringing the rule and reign of Jesus. So then as the world shakes around us, we are not only not shaken, but we have a way forward for them to the feet of Jesus, to the family of God, and to the purpose of God that we might be a rescuing people for the glory of God. This is the setup for the hour, guys, and this is what God is calling us to had something very unique happen as we have been um, waiting on the Lord about the future. Lord, what are you saying to us for 2023? Um, You've spoken to us about prayer in 2022, and by the way, that will continue on in 2023. We are just getting out of the gate, really. But Lord, is there there a a word for us? And I've had so many unique things happen. But if you haven't heard anything today, I just want you to hear this. I'm going to go over this briefly. Um, But an incredible scripture came out uh, of uh, uh, to us through uh, a couple of dear dear friends, and it was Isaiah 33 20 through 22. And um, I just want you to track with me, and this will be the end of our time. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem as an undisturbed habitation. If you're familiar with Scripture, Zion and Jerusalem talks about the church, the people of God. God wants this place to be a place of rest. The people can come in our midst and find a place of rest. Okay, if you're familiar with our little promise out of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, I just have to be embarrassingly say I've never seen this before. But then the next scripture says, a tent which will not be folded, its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its cords be torn apart. We have a promise from God out of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 for us as a people about tents and pegs and cords. And here's the Lord is saying, I will make my house a house of rest and I will not allow the promise of God to be pulled up. But there the majestic one, don't miss this. The Lord, the Lord, they're the majestic one, the glorious God of all the earth. He will be for us. One of the greatest lies of the devil is God's not for you. He doesn't see you. He doesn't know you. That is the lie of all lies. You can be up to sin your eyeballs right now. Remember, Jesus went to the cross to die for sin. He's provided a way for you, forward for you. A place of rivers and wide canals. Again, you can look at our past history. Underneath this building literally flows rivers of living water. That's why we had to have so many foundation points. There's a living spring underneath this house. Then here's the correction. On on which no boat with oars will go and on which no mighty ship will pass. I'm going to come back to that. For the Lord 
is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king, and he will save us. Now, again, for those who may not be familiar with kind of prophetic imagery, I just want to land on this one point. And it says this, God has a place for his people. He has a promise that will be fulfilled. He wants to come be the majestic one who takes over. He wants to be our judge, our lawgiver, our king. He wants to save us. He's for us, all this glorious stuff. And this little tucked in here, it said, on which no boat with oars will go and no mighty ship will pass. And that means this, man's effort is not going to get to the glory of God. We are not going to pick up oars and get God to show up. We're not going to do the best. It's not the best of man with the best of God that creates the glory of God. In this hour of our history, and I would say uh, of the church body of Christ wise, it is not the best of man and the best of God that gets to the outcomes of God. It is let go of the oars and let the living God come into his house again, into our hearts again, and begin to lead us by the Holy Spirit, by his design, not by the best laid plans of man. We're gonna have to give up our oars in order to get to the place that God has for us. So in the midst of that, that scripture, we were in Rome and we shared that, let go of your oars. And we had people on the front row literally saying, I felt inside of me being pulled to the floor to just lay out. This has been kind of my posture most days these days. Just is a prophetic act, also a real feeling, that I just need to be on my face so God has something to land on. Give God a runway to land on. God, come take over. Come take over, God. And where this highway is not holy, would you make a highway of holiness? And where this, this highway is not submitted and bumpy, Lord, get the bumps out. Come, O King of glory. Come, O Lord. So we shared that. We had all kinds of just crying and weeping and just wailing. And um, one of the guys, uh, our senior pastor, Andrew Zanaka, went back in Indianapolis, this happened on a Friday uh, in Rome, he goes and he tells his team about Isaiah 30. And they said, you won't believe what, I, we can't believe you're saying this. They had been in a prayer meeting and on a group text in his church, praying for a move of God. And here's what their group text said the week before, okay? So this is a week before in Indianapolis. They're dialoguing with each other. The Holy Spirit, uh, uh, Josh and I were talking and, and we felt the Holy Spirit is schooling us in a new and living way that he has ushered in through the veil. And I saw us all in a boat in a voice say, of Jesus saying, will you throw away your oars? Will you raise up your sails and let me do what only I can do? Oh Jesus, let us be a people who are willing to throw away our oars. Never used that term in my life. And together we echo, come, Lord, come. This young mom says, I was rocking my baby in the middle of the night, and I was praying. She said, and I got a picture of me going down a river without an oar. And I heard the Lord say, who, who would you let steer you? I didn't share this with uh, another friend uh, who uh, uh, is in another church, Isaiah 33. And he said, he was sitting on an airplane. He said, I 
if I could, I would shout and scream, but I'm sitting here on a plane. I can't contain myself. I had a dream three nights ago, and I preached on this yesterday, and here was his dream. I was in a canoe paddling so hard, but it wasn't getting anywhere. It was exhausting. This represented my works and my agenda. I felt to surrender my oar into the river. This was a Hebrews 6 moment, repent of dead works. Jesus told me in the dream, I want my church back. This is a time to lay down vain efforts and agendas. He is dealing with his leaders. A new current started to pull the canoe. It took a while for me to recognize the current. It was almost like paddling had desensitized me to the current of the spirit. My paddling, my efforts for God, in God, or for myself had desensitized me to the current. The current pulled me in a new direction towards a new stream and I closed my eyes and rested in the canoe. Another pastor from San Antonio friend came and shared with us just two days ago and he said, I can't believe I'm saying this. I had somebody pray over me a month ago, one of our elders. He said, I saw you paddling a boat, working hard. Then the boat transformed to a sailboat with no oars. You were still working, but now the work was different. Instead of paddling, you were working to hoist the sails to catch the wind. My friends, God is inviting us into a now moment to let him take over, to let him take over. We prayed, we've sang that song, and, and I know it's a little bit unique, but that song, Come and Take Over, and, and, and it came from a prayer time with uh, Mark Owen, one of our elders, and he was talking about, he was praying over his business and some different things, asking God for help. And he thought, what am I doing? I don't need help. I need God to take over. God, come and take over. Don't just help me with my little things. Come and rule and reign. Come and take over everything. Who doesn't want the king of glory in everything in life? And I began to just take that prayer and we brought it into World Mandate a year ago and they began to pick up a chorus and they wrote this song, Come and Take Over. So here's what I wanna invite us to do. Everybody stand up. At, at 10.30, in just a few moments, we need one parent to exit to go grab your kiddo. Just be sensitive to that, we'll let you know. But for everybody else and all of us, I wanna invite you. If you feel that pull, oh, I want God to take over. I'm, I want the King of glory to come. I, I need you to take over. I'm just gonna lay here on my face while they sing, come and take over. You are welcome to join me. You can get on your knees right where you are. You can sit quietly. You can stand and worship. But I know that the Holy Spirit is calling us to let go of the oars our efforts, our agendas, our desires, our designs, just let it go and let God begin to rule and reign. So I'm gonna pray, you respond. Um, if you need to come and get before the Lord or you need to grab your spouse by the hand and you guys need to let the oars go. And you say, well, what are the oars? We'll get to, to that, you guys, but today's a moment that you respond and the Holy Spirit will let you know what are the oars need to let go of. So Spirit of the living God, as we come before you and get on our faces and get on our knees, as we come before you as couples and individuals, we just say, come and take over, Lord. 
We need you, God. This hour in our city, God. This hour among our kids, the pain and the devastation going on with all the sexual brokenness that's out of control, Lord. The, 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 the economic challenges that are, we're looking to face, God. The wars that are going on and the rumors of wars. Lord, come and take over, Lord. We don't need just a little help. We need a visitation of heaven. We need King of glory that you would come into our midst, into our hearts, into our lives, into our businesses. God, come and take over for the broken marriages here in the room, God. We've gone to counseling 100 hours. It's not working because God needs to come take over. A covenant is not an action unless one dies. Somebody has to die to themselves for the glory of God to come in. May the Lord come. Come and take over. Let him take over. They're going to sing this song over you. Again, just wherever you are, just say, Lord, what are the oars? I want to let go of the oars, and I want you to come. Let's pray.